Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Man, there's a war, and there's been a war going on since the beginning of time. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are victorious in this war, that we are conquerors along with you, Lord God, that you have designed this. Lord, this has been your plan from the very beginning, and the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, has purchased for us eternal life. We thank you that this is the time of the year we think about that, and we meditate on that. And I pray today that as we look at the backside are the behind the scenes of the crucifixion and what was going on from the beginning of time that you give us a new deep revelation and appreciation for this huge, awesome story and demonstration of your love. We also thank you, Lord God, that in the midst of this, you've given us power over the powers of darkness. And we bind them now, the ones that would try to mess with this show, mess with us, mess with the, le- the listeners, that these words and trouble- revelations cannot be snatched from us, Father, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and stop the work of the thief, the one who would snatch or uh, obscure or uh, delete that revelation of your love, peace, and power to us. Because, Lord God, you know the uh, technical difficulties and the frequency interruptions that Satan has created even in our own bodies. And we thank you, Jesus, Son of God, for making yourself real to us through your spirit, through your words, and through um, our desire to know you, you've even actually created that. So give us your wisdom and your testimony, the testimony of your word and your spirit now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, good morning. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Here we go again. Are you up? I am up and ready to go. Are you? Let's roll. Are you? The backside of the crucifixion. You know, a lot of times the behind the scenes is as as, as interesting as the actual movie. You know, when you go to the movies, I like to always look at that, the clips behind the scenes. Yeah, behind the scenes stuff. And, and really, you know, any uh, Broadway production, you know, play, mm-hmm. live play. There's a lot behind the scenes. There's so much behind the scenes. And without, you know, uh, a lot of people just see the, the outward, the front the front stage. What they want stage, you to right? see, right? But behind the scenes. And so that's what we want to mm-hmm. uh, look at there, the behind the scenes of the crucifixion of right. Jesus Christ. Right, You know, sometimes, you know, the special effects, the... Uh, the stuntmen, the um, you know, all that stuff to present to you a specific a takeaway, a specific picture of, oh wow, you know that was this and that. But behind it, it's just all you know, camera work or it's uh, thought out. You know, there's many many people trying to create that illusion, that perception at that moment for that even that tenth of a second of a scene. So a lot of the things, of course, in movies is simply illusion and camera work and and all kinds of things going on. But this is this is something that is no illusion. This is not something mm-hmm. deceptive. This is not some kind of uh, photographic trickery or anything yeah. like that. This is just the real truth. Thing. This is the, the real, real story. thing. The real story. The the rest of the story. The behind the scenes the story. Drama. You know, we and again we like to hear about people. You can go on the internet anywhere, and you can hear the behind the scenes info or even the dirt 
you know, on certain well, things with celebrities mm. and stuff. Uh, there's but, no, no, oh. no dirt, of course, on Jesus, but there is. Satan oh, brings yeah. up a lot of dirt. Oh, yeah. There's no real dirt, but Satan tries to oh. bring up all kinds of dirt on Jesus. Well, this and is God the problem. So this forth. is the huge problem in any kind of discernment or presentation. Um, what do, do you believe? What do they want you to believe? Who is telling the truth? Whose story is the real story? Whose story is correct? And, and a lot of times in our, in our natural experience, we have all kinds of uh, experiences where people lie, they con, they cheat, they switch, they switch and bait, they twist and, uh, you know, and present their side of the story, whatever it is. And you go away from the thing, who's telling the truth? What's really, mm-hmm. really going on here? And at some point, if you're going to want to know, you know and settle this in your mind, which I think some of you maybe are still needing to settle this story of death, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, eternal life, God's story, really to settle it because you've been so exposed, especially the younger generation, to so much new age mysticism, twisting and perverting. Satan has deliberately tried to um, mess up the simple story of salvation and Jesus Christ and God's love because he it, it's to his advantage to do that. He can't stop the story, so he's now, you know, uh, switching and twisting the story. Twist, twist the story, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like a re- revisionist thing that what a lot of uh, liberal scholars do with uh, history. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they slant it, they skew it, uh, they they revise it to suit their own political gains well, and, fo- and Satan, philosophical gains. So so t- t- it takes a lot to get to the truth. And the and here's the other problem: if you judge by appearances, if you just pick a section of the story, like say Jesus hanging on the cross. Being mocked, scourged, spit upon, you're going to say, "Wow, what a loser! Mm-hmm. What a stupid culmination of God's big deal!" You know, here he is. You know, supposed to be. Well, you know, they thought the Messiah was coming to save them and reunite the nation, deliver them from Rome, or whatever their particular problem was at the time. And here we have this sacrifice lamb hanging, bleeding, dying, helpless on a tree that looked absolutely, from appearances' sake, like a total. Um, folly. I don't even know. You know, just the biggest one, the biggest. Well, it, it's, it appeared to be just the most despicable, insignificant. Well, even thing because they crucified Peter, people there all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. He was just one of the transgressors. One of, one, one yeah. of the transgressors. Number, and that's what the scriptures, the prophetic he was word. Numbered with the transgressors. Right. right. That was actually a fulfilling of a prophecy. Mm-hmm. And there were many prophecies that told of his particular death exactly the way it would go down. But Peter even. You know, at the point where he's, Jesus was starting to tell them, I'm going to go to the cross, Peter says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And Jesus had to rebuke Satan, who was operating through Peter at that moment, and say, get behind me, Satan. You do not, you know, this is not what you're saying. is not from God. It's not what God wants. And so many times we think we know what God wants, and and it's not at all. Jesus actually said, I, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but Jesus actually said, I think it was in um, John, he says, now, now I'm going to glorify, um, you know, now let me be glorified. And he was talking about his death. He was talking about actually um, going to the cross, and he was putting it in terms of glory, you know, which didn't look very glorious at all. Yeah. And uh, But let's go back to Genesis for a minute and start the story from our, you know, worldview uh, at the, in, uh, you know, when the world began, uh, when the earth began, when Adam and Eve were put in the garden, there was a huge um, takeover, you know, the takeover in the garden where Satan, 
usurped the power authority uh, of the man and woman, got them to transgress, eat the forbidden fruit, open up the the venue for the knowledge of good and evil. Evil was not in the garden up to that point. And so God began the story with Genesis 3.14 when he said to the serpent, because you have done this more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field, on your belly you shall go. You shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now, in this particular passage, he's talking about both snakes and the serpent. So snakes still go on their bellies, still eat eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put hatred or enmity or war between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, between your seed and your seed, her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Notice God is allowing, he is, he is putting this war. He is setting up this war, this hatred between the seed of Satan, the seed of the serpent, and that just doesn't mean baby vipers. It means the seed of Satan, the serpent, and the woman's seed. Now, the woman's seed is made up of, you know, what is it, 26 uh, chromosome genes and chromosomes, double pair, 42. That's the seed of a woman. That's called DNA. That's our human DNA. That was her seed. And that was the, be- the beginning place where the war began was actually in the DNA of the human beings because Satan thought, well, you know, I can just mess up a few of those uh, codes. I can ter- totally alter this this uh, this um, offspring, and it will no longer be human. So there were there were actually there was originally one seed. In a sense, one race of people. Right. That was Adam, Adam and Eve. They sinned. Then there there mm-hmm. there came developed. <clears throat> excuse me. There came to be developed. Actually, two seeds. So you have the seed of the serpent. You have the seed of and the they woman. Were. The seed of the woman should be capital seed. The seed that would come and it is from God's seed that would through be, the woman through the woman that would be Jesus, right? The ultimate seed. But there are two conflicting races, if you would. On the earth. What do you mean? So there are people who are following Satan. Oh yeah. Adam <clears throat> became be, following Jesus and following Adam Satan. Adam became part of the seed uh, of, of, of Satan. So we have the war. We have the so wheat and tares. We have the conflict between good and evil. Two. There's two distinct, um, in a sense, races there. Exactly. Well, that's exactly how the war began. Then was through the the bruising of. Your, your head. So um, Satan was going to bruise the head of Jesus, his people, our, our hearts, our lives, crush, contaminate, um, steal from, hurt. But it says uh, he was going to bruise Jesus through his people was going to crush Satan's head. And through Jesus dying on the cross, that was that was accomplished. He accomplished uh, so there war was going to be a war. This was a prophetic word. The, the curse had been established. The judgments had been given. There was going to be a war. And as we know, that war kind of worked its way through uh, the flood with the Nephilim, the giants in Genesis 6, the angels. This was See, but what we're not, we're not understanding is everything is, from here on points towards the cross. It points towards, it looks like Jesus is being destroyed, um, 
you will bruise his, his heel. At the crucifixion, it looked like Jesus was down for the count, you know. But then when Jesus rose from the dead, of course, and is coming back, then we see how he crushes, you know, he crushes the, the, the serpent's head, destroys him. Um, that's the war. But in the meantime, there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of um, victories and defeats. There's a lot of appearances of what looks like it's going, what's going down. And when we come to the place, finally, where Jesus arrives on the planet, and before he arrives, there's many prophetic words, many prophetic prophecies, words um, that are talking about him ahead of time. For example, I'm just going to use one of these in Psalm 22, verse uh, 6 and 7. He says, um, oh, let me see. Um, I'll start with, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. This is talking about Jesus. All those who see me, me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Now, it's interesting. That is actually fulfilled in Luke twenty three thirty five, where we read, um, we read the, the, the fullness, the culmination of that 23:35, where he says, I found it. Oh, no, that's not it. Um, the rulers of this world, they sneered, and he said, he saved others, let him save himself. Mm-hmm. So we have this, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what the word, mocking him, uh, re- blaspheming him on the cross, saying he saved others, let him save himself. And so these kinds of things, you know, they're not a bone of his body would be broken, and of course they they pierced his side. They didn't break any of his bones, like was t- typically what they did. Um, this crucifixion, as because of the, all the prophetic words and the and the predictions, and the and the, the fact that there were two comings of Jesus: his first coming in the death and resurrection, and the second coming at the second coming when he's going to take over the world. The prophetic words were kind of mingled together, so people were a little confused about if this is the right time for the Messiah. If this is the Messiah, because they thought the Messiah would come, you know, as a conquering king, as a mighty soldier, as a warrior, as they were typically seen. But we can see from God's point of view, this is a very scheduled event. It is like, okay, this is going to happen. Um, the crucifixion is marked as the, the center of time, if you will. And, um, for example, because look in John chapter 12, verse 23. I, I like this piece where Jesus is starting to talk to his desi- disciples about the specifics of what's happening and kind of alluding to something bigger than what they're seeing because obviously they don't see and it doesn't make any sense and why is this happening and it you know, but Jesus answered them saying, this is John twelve twenty three. The hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. The hour has come. Okay. So like we were looking for this, like, you know, the hour has come for us to board the plane and go to Disney world. The hour has come. It's been scheduled. It's been planned, but he's talking about his death as the opportunity to be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, and then he goes on to tell a very interesting story. In John, only place he tells this story, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. 
Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Now notice, he's got some emotion going on here. My soul, my mind, will, and emotions are troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. He's, there's the battle. The battle is between shall I cry out to be saved from this hour or shall I go forward? Uh, he says, I know it is for this purpose that I came to this hour. And then, Father, glorify your name. So he realized that the Father was going to be glorified in his being able to go through with the crucifixion, go through with the, the death and um, accomplish that death, if you will. Yeah, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he spoke with Moses and Elijah, and he discussed what his death would accomplish Mm -hmm. that was coming up. So we don't usually think of death as an accomplishment, but for Jesus and for us, it was was. certainly, it accomplished our our, our redemption. So he's talking about, yeah, exactly, accomplishing something by dying. How about that for a twist of... We always say we accomplish something by doing. Jesus accomplished something by dying. It says in the voice, uh, and, and Jesus answered and said, and this voice did not come. So then he was talking to them. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said to them, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sakes. Now, now. Now, this right right now, now is the judgment of this world. Now, the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw them in, all peoples to myself. So the ruler of this world is going into judgment because of the cross. Now, the ruler of this world will be cast out. Because it's interesting, up until this point, believe it or not, Satan had really not, you know, done anything worthy of destruction, death, casting out, or judgment. Because he'd simply, he, well, he had lied, of course, to Adam and Eve, and he'd done many, many things, instigating riots and bloodshed and wars and, and, and idolatry and hatred against God. But because technically in the first place, these were his pawns to move on the board. Right, because we'd turn uh, the rulership of our lives you mm-hmm. know, through sin over to him. Mm-hmm. So he was just basically... Using, uh, his, using his authority as uh, as the ruler over that's why Jesus mankind. had to come as a, as from outside of the game he had to come from um, heaven he was not you know he wasn't under the jurisdiction of Satan but now is the judgment so now we look to an, a very interesting passage in First Corinthians where Satan you know he wanted to stop Jesus and he, I I really believe I truly believe that he got caught a little bit off guard, but he also knew from the beginning, from the very first curse in Genesis, that there was going to be a conflict and somebody was going to come to crush his head. He didn't know who it was, so he tried to stop the whole deal by messing up the woman's seed and preventing the fact that he was going to have to uh, do anything more drastic than that. Well, in Genesis 3.15, we find it's a declaration of war. Mm -hmm. God says, I'm going to really crush the head of the serpent. And he's, we're still in that war we're today. We're still in that war. But can we can we back up just a bit here? If we're if you were looking at the backside of the crucifixion, here if you look at and uh, and we'll we'll get to where where you are there. But the, in Old Testament history, we see all all the way through where Satan was trying to destroy the seed, mm-hmm. the hum, human seed. The line through which the seed of the woman would come—that is the Savior—and right. 
and uh, the Hebrews. He sought to kill the Christ child at his birth. Yeah. He he tried to thwart the fulfillment of God's uh, purpose by tempting Satan in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, well, here can you stop right there for a second? Tempting Jesus was, I think, one of Satan's alternate plans. If if the devil, Satan himself, and he tried many times to tempt Jesus to sin, to give up plan, to take the bait, to fall down to worship Satan and get a hold of all the kingdoms of this world, of course, temporarily, of course, Satan would use that to deceive him. Um, then he would have sinned and he would have veered off the plan of obedience to the Father, Jesus would have, and that would have, everything else after that would have been canceled and and uh, of no uh no redemption yeah. no redemption for us so Jesus had to absolutely not disobey he had to stay on the course so even when Jesus was throwing the people out of the temple the money changers etc he was not out of the will of god so you can see there's a broad spectrum of being in the will of god sometimes you know and 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 staying on the path so Jesus did not get tempted. He didn't fall for it in the in the temptation in the wilderness. There was another temptation in the garden, I think we you know, where Jesus said, um, well we know Satan came to him and he said, If this if it's possible for this cup to pass for me, um and you know, G- Jesus was, you know, Father, if it's your will, here this is Luke chapter uh twenty two, um, verse thirty nine and following. And coming out he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. The temptation to what? Quit. Give up. Get afraid. Mm-hmm. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So again, we see the same battle. Mm-hmm. We see the same battle. Satan wanted to... It's a twofold thing. Satan wanted to Jesus on the cross. At the same time, he wanted to keep him from the cross. That's right. Because he did not fully understand the implications of the cross. So he's stirring up the crowd, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And uh, he he tried to keep him from the cross Mm -hmm. through, um, well. By getting him to sin ahead of time. Well, yeah, that way too. But also... You know, like through Peter, you know, he says, "Oh Lord, you don't, you're not going to go to the cross." So, so Satan used Christ's enemies and Christ's friends, right, to, to try to keep him from the, to pressure from him, the cross, to mm-hmm. pressure him, yeah. And then, and they tried to kill him. How many times did they try to kill him? They mm-hmm. were going to stone him. They were going to throw him over a cliff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so there was an attack, and then really constant attacks. The, this is. Put it yeah, that way, and it, it kind of culminated. Never there, ended there in Gethsemane, where there was Never, attack, and yeah. his, his basically his spirit, soul, and body was just under tremendous, tremendous siege. A lot of times we don't fully comprehend that. Oh, we can't. There's no way we can't do that. None of us have been there, and you really can't comprehend something fully unless you've actually been there. But backing up again, the whole confrontation with the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Pharisees. Um, who do you think you are? Where do you get this authority, you know, um, prancing around here, you know, forgiving people's sins, you're blaspheming, calling yourself the son of God or the son of man. Actually, Jesus called himself the son of man. But, you know, who do you think you are? And and so ultimately the, the culmination of Pilate and, and Caiaphas' interrogation of him came down to uh, Jesus not denying that he is the son of God. And um, 
they they took that as their Caiaphas just came unglued at that point. But the whole conflict, who are you? Even his own brothers. Well, if you if you really want people to believe you, go up to to Jerusalem and prove it and do some more magic tricks and some more miracles and and you know everybody had a hard time and I don't blame them. I, I you know they'd never seen God in the midst of them before in human flesh. Yes, they so. were. People were constantly challenging his identity. And Satan his authority. Was, mm-hmm. If thou be the Son of God, Satan was challenging his identity all the way through. And there were all these various opinions about Jesus. Oh, oh God, he's yeah. Elijah. He's one of the prophets. Uh, he He's a madman. He mm-hmm. has a devil. Uh, you know, he's just a carpenter's son. Uh you know we yeah we know him we know his brothers we, we and sisters him. yeah and so there he's got a family so it is today there are nails. all of these there's a whole plethora of opinions but again about Jesus Christ but again you're looking at appearances and if you look at appearances and make a judgment you're going to make a wrong draw a wrong conclusion in John chapter eight where we have the great battle between him and and the Pharisees, where he finally calls him the seat of their father, the devil, got right down there, wrote it out. It wasn't any more, you know, innuendos. It's you are of your father, the devil. You were part of Satan's seed. Yeah. But in in verse 12, John 8, 12, he's talking about being, I'm the light of the world. Uh, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. So we see here they're saying, you're just, you know, uh, endorsing yourself. Your witness is not true. And Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I, here's the key, here's the key. He says, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from and where I'm going. They were not really willing to acknowledge that Jesus Christ came from the Father, that he came from heaven, that he came from out of this world. He came here with a deliberate purpose and mission in mind. They, and if they would not accept that, if they would not agree to that, then they were going to always be um, in the bl- blind and unable to accept anything else from him. He says, you judge according to the flesh or appearances. I judge no one. Yeah, and he says, and yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. So you see, the thing is, he says, I know where I've come from. I, this is the source of authority. If you are in an authority in any particular situation or uh, job, or you need to know where you've come from. You need to. You, there are ways you we earn the right to be in a place of authority, whether you have a PhD behind your name or you've studied here or there or you've had this experience or you've had, you know, whatever. You, you, you sort of like through experience, we learn how to become and be put in place of authority. But Jesus's authority was coming from the commissioning. Uh, his father commissioned him. And he says, Father, if you've got another plan, even in the garden, if you've got another plan, uh, let me know. And he says, um, you know, he knew that if he chose not to go through with this, he knew that God also had 12 legions of angels and God would bail him out. The father would bail him out, but then that would be, that would be the end. There would be, he'd be bailed out, he'd be saved, he'd be okay, but he'd have to come home, uh, not with a hero's welcome. He would be saved, but we wouldn't be saved. Right. So that's the problem. And so, um, you know, in, in John five thirty nine, I think there's a very uh, indicting, um, statement that Jesus makes. He says, um, he says, um, 
you you know, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. You know, you search the scriptures. They this the Pharisees were constantly looking for the Messiah, looking for his coming. What would that look like? Looking for at everyone else, judging everyone else, to make sure they're keeping the laws. Very harsh, very bitter, very hard-hearted, judgmental, critical, you know, just a bad situation. Judge, judge, judge. You know, they were thinking in the natural. You you think, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may live. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you. And you do not have the love of God in you. Obviously, they weren't having the love of God in them the way they were treating him. Um, And so the thing is, they were not able, even in their diligent search of scriptures. And this is kind of a a true, guys, have you ever seen people who know the Bible back and forth, like the back of your hand, and they can quote every verse? And And they totally miss it. And they look like and act like demons, and they're um, very unloving, you know. And they, they've wholly, they've totally missed it, but they can they can judge you at the drop, drop of a hat. So he's saying you can search the scriptures, you can memorize the scriptures, you can you can preach them, and people have, and they preach them like you know wielding a sword to kill people. It's not to incorporate or gather in or love or heal bruised hearts or broken uh, lives. Jesus, says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to set the captives free. He knew his job assignment at the very beginning when he first opened up the scriptures in Luke 4 and began to talk. And at that point, the devil had made a whole, he had trashed the place. He had trashed, there people were blind and lame and wounded and broken and in poverty and scattered around. And there was no justice and there was uh, uh, oppression everywhere. And Jesus was there to um, start the work he had to do was to, and he used the, his opportunities to demonstrate the glory, the love, the power of God by doing the miracles, by loving the unlovely, by healing the lepers, by reclaiming some of the things that Satan had so trashed. Um, you know, so I believe that, you know, he had his work cut out for him, and there was a lot that had to be said and had to be done. But if you go back and out getting more of the intense kind of end of the world, end of the, end of the, towards the end of the, uh, near, nearer to the crucifixion, Jesus was saying things that were very interesting. Um, in Luke twenty two fifty three, he says, he's talking again about this thing being a scheduled event, and he says, um, let's see, Luke 22, um, I'm going to start a little bit. And Jesus said to the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? This, of course, is when they're coming into the garden. When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. Here's the sentence. But this is your hour, power of darkness. This is your hour. There's something scheduled here that has to happen. And then he goes on to say later, permit even this. He says that to one of his disciples when they cut the ear off somebody. He says, permit even this. So we have to recognize that the plan of God's plan of redemption, it's not just some kind of emergency measure. Right. The fact of uh, Adam and Eve sinning, the sin that that infected all of mankind, all of that, God didn't just wring his hands and pull his hair out and say, oh, my, what Mm -hmm. am I going to do now? 
Mm-hmm. He said, you know, it was pre- prepared. It was part of the plan originally. He knew what was going to happen to mankind when he at the creation, mm-hmm. before the creation. Mm-hmm. He knew this was the path we're going to take, and he made provision for it. Uh, Revelation thirteen eight speaks of Jesus as the Lamb slain right. from the foundation of the world. Right. So, so nothing, nothing takes God by surprise. And it was interesting. I'd like to just. Uh, uh, it, it was not an afterthought in in the least. Uh, I'd like to just quote something here from uh, a lady named Ruth Paxson, who has written a wonderful book called Life on the Highest Plane. He says. She says, there was a cross set up in heaven before it was ever set up on earth. The atonement for man's sin made visible, effectual, and historical on Calvary was wrought out in purpose and in principle in the heart of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the dateless past. What I'm saying is that, you know, the plan of redemption, was set up way before the foundation of the world. Well, you can and even see that, And we're seeing just yeah. basically the the outworking of it. Right. Even the old, the whole fulfillment of what is yet to come, has really been settled since before the foundation of the world. Well, we can even see it in the Old Testament in the story of Abraham and Isaac. I believe that that was a parable that was a, a, an acting out of the the drama that God himself, the father, was going to go through between the father and the son and with Abraham and Isaac. And, you know, Satan called for that. You know, he came to the Lord like I'm sure he did with, well, like we know he did with Job. I'm sure he came to the Lord and said, you know, um, Abraham, since you've given him his son, he's all taken up with his son. He doesn't love you anymore. You know, he doesn't have any time for you. He doesn't spend, you know, meditate, go on walks with you. He's He's even given this birthday party, this weaning party for his son, and he invited all these big kings and big shots of the earth, and you never got invited. You weren't acknowledged. Just tell Abraham to kill his son. And, of course, with Abraham's uh, obedience to God, he, di- he, was, he didn't even ask the question, well, what I'm sure he might have thought these things. Are you crazy, God? What's going on? Um, this is what the heathen gods do. They require the death of the firstborn of the various you know, people, worshipers. How does this make me any different from them? I'm trying to look different. Uh, we don't kill our firstborn sons. We don't offer human sacrifices. That's what the heathens do. Um, and, and Abraham could have said, you know, I can't do this. Maybe I misheard. This isn't God. This couldn't be God. Uh, God would never do something like this. But Satan insisted to God that he, you know, tell Abraham to kill his son. And God didn't say, I can't do that. Won't do that. Sorry, devil. You've gone too far here. This is not going to happen. God permitted Abraham to walk through, act out, take up the um, the role that God himself, the Father, would have to play. And when he was tested, it wasn't to prove that Abraham loved God. Abraham did love God. Uh, God knew Abraham loved God. God wasn't unhappy with Abraham's righteousness or his service. It was the devil who didn't believe that Abraham really sincerely loved God because he felt like Abraham was just, you know, going along with uh, everything because God was so good to him. In Genesis 22, 6, it says, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. 
But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. This is a great prophetic statement. It is. We know the story that God, uh, there was a ram uh, caught in the thicket, Mm -hmm. and that's the one that became the substitute lamb for uh, the son Isaac. But this is a great prophetic word. And God himself will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. And he has provided Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But you notice both Abraham, who played the part of the father, and Isaac, who played the part of the son, did their roles to the very to the very finish. Isaac was willing to get on that altar before they found that ram. He was willing to lay down yes, his life. And so both the father and the son perfectly fulfilled the reenactment or the pre-enactment, if you will, of the um, the death uh, of Jesus Christ well, and the emotions that were had to be involved were and, displayed and, in and, human form. And really all, when you look back at all the, the, uh, the things that were prescribed on, under the law of Moses, the, the, the tabernacle, the, the portable worship center that the Hebrews had all the, the, the furniture of that, the, the, the brazen altar, the Ark of the Covenant, the shedding of the blood, the sacrifices, the all lamb. that mm-hmm. provision, all that uh, ceremony, pomp and circumstance, please, was all foreshadowing the mm-hmm. coming of Jesus Christ. So this thing what wasn't, Jesus would yeah. do. So this, like you're just saying, this wasn't a last minute, um, you know, plan scheme that they'd come up with to pull something off here. This was very thought out and not only well thought out but pro- prophesied predicted and reenact pre-enacted before it ever happened right it was not the cross was not god's plan b it was his plan a it was his only plan it was his only plan it was the only plan that would work because there would be right. no other way that humans could be rescued from the grip of satan and it's interesting, Akin, Jesus set his face to go to to Jerusalem like a flint. He wasn't going to turn to the right or the left, even though that was his temptation in the garden. But he says, this is a very interesting uh, verse in John fourteen thirty. He says, um, uh, let's see. Well, he's talking about going and coming back. He says, um, you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice, because I said, I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, again predicting, that when it does come, you may believe. Then he goes on to say in verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. That's a very profound statement. He has nothing on me, nothing in me. He has nothing, there is no there's no justification for my death. He has no demonic judgments. There's no demonic there's no, law, there's law no, of reciprocity. There's no just cause, there's no no just just cause, cause for right. killing me. It's going to be out and out murder. It's going to be, it's going to be. And see, Satan wanted to avoid this, this, uh, this situation where he'd have to actually murder the Son of God. First of all, I think he wasn't quite sure he could pull it off, knowing there were twelve legions of angels standing by. And so I think he was kind of pondering in his own mind, what am I going to do uh, if this is a setup? I'm going to try to take out Jesus and those 12 
leads. He's already been beaten up by Michael at least once, and I think he remembered that, and he was going to be kind of cautious. So he thought, if I could just prevent this this huge Calvary conflict, I will. And so he tried everything. He tried tempting Jesus. He tried killing him at a time by getting somebody else to kill him before he got to the cross, some other death. Um, you know, anything he could do to get Jesus to fail, to get to that cross, that Calvary, the hill of Calvary. And, um, you know, even Pilate, I don't find anything wrong with him. So Satan had to get up in there and, and, and um, you know, they had to cry, crucify, crucify. They, they they sort of got the frenzy of the crowd going. Jesus himself could have stopped the whole thing because they couldn't find a second witness. And he could have just not, you know, took the Fifth Amendment and not said anything. But he opened his mouth to both Pilate and Caiaphas and, and, and declared, it is as you say. And they said, you are, are you the son of God? And he says, yes. And so that became his testimony against himself that he was blaspheming. So this was a a, a murderous plot against That's, yeah against an uh, innocent man. A, an innocent man. And, and this the only innocent plot man. Was continu- all the way from the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. onto the present day, even beyond the present day. So there was this murderous thing going on: crucify, crucify, crucify. But you know, it's interesting. Over along with that. And overriding all that is John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Yeah, and you know, can can I just kind of put this in the context? This is like so spiritual, so un, you know, people today. Think about what you think about. Think about what you see. Think about what pre- preoccupies your own mind. Think about how taken up we are with what world events, news, crises. You name the crisis, it's there, and and we're all you know inundated, swimming, drowning, choking, suffocating in a world of swill. And this little piece, this little huge big piece, becomes um, lost again. It becomes obscured by the clutter of, could we say, current events. Yeah, and, and our lives of... Current the, events uh, not only on a world scene, but in our personal lives. Right, and that's that's all part of the deliberate plot as well. We are moving into the serious culmination of, of the end of the age. Serious. Today, uh, the, seventh, the, the 8th and 9th of March is a total solar eclipse. We will not see that here. It's going to be mostly in, um, well, places like Southeast Asia and uh, Singapore, Honolulu, places like that. We're kind of, it's kind of over there. But the thing is, uh, there's a blood moon again on the 23rd. Now, I don't know again if we're going to see that because, you know, the moon and the sun are in various sides of the world at various times. But all the stars, the, the moon, the planets, are trying to tell us something here and that is also lost in the swill of our own imaginations and reasoning and bitter, uh, busy ex- escapes. We, we're, we wear ourselves out trying to escape, trying to have fun, trying to push away the ideas of what's truly, genuinely uh, um, going to happen, what's true, what's real, what's from God's point of view. It's, it's time to stop trying to not know about the coming of Jesus Christ. It's time to stop 
trying to avoid, trying to just live your little two-bit life with making no contributions to the greater purposes of God for you. It's not, you know, we're wasting more time and more energy uh, trying to avoid than if you just put on your armor, stand up, and go forward. There's a couple of more scriptures. You know, God gave a mandate to the church. This crucifixion, resurrection is in the past. It is done, but it is still moving forward. It is still accumulating and gathering people uh, unto salvation. It is the only means of salvation to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And so there are a couple of things that God tells us to do. Now let's go to, I'm going to want to cut into a few more scriptures that in Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter two, you know, we see the, the, the dilemma of course that Satan was in. Um, and he, he's saying, um, uh, if the, if the, if the powers of this world are the rulers of this world, how does that go, honey? The rulers of this world would have, um, first Corinthians known chapter two, uh, verse eight. Oh, well, it talks about, um, he, Paul is talking about spiritual wisdom, the wisdom of this world, uh, that Christ crucified is not in conjunction with the wisdom of men, but in conjunction with the wisdom of God. Right. Verse six of first Corinthians two, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age. Those would be the, the powers of Satan, the powers of darkness, who are coming to nothing. Praise God. I added that praise God in there. Mm-hmm. But, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Isn't that amazing? If they had known, if Caiaphas and Pilate, who were the little puppets of Satan at the time, had known um, what was going on, they would not have crucified the, the Lord of glory. Why? Because they knew after the fact that that was the purchase salvation. That was the ransom. That was the price paid. Satan had now the, the debt of sin. The wages of sin was death had now been satisfied. The law of demonic reciprocity, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, had been satisfied through the blood and death of Jesus Christ. So there was no nothing more Satan could demand. And so he lost his, uh, I don't know, his his power. He lost but, his... but the doom of Satan was really sealed at the cross, through the cross and the resurrection. Mm-hmm. The doom of Satan was sealed. And uh, we, we see that we don't see visibly on earth the final manifestation of that it was yet. sealed but it wasn't at that point finalized right. you know because he right. was still given a short time which we would say would be the last 2000 years where all he's done basically is come after the christians and try to blot out the name the memory the work of jesus christ now if you go to ephesians chapter um so we need to keep reading through the book god is not done don't make a judgment on God based on what it looks like, what you feel like today, um, or what somebody else interprets the Bible to mean. Go with the power of the Holy Spirit, what God is showing us. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, um, in verse 8, to me, Paul is talking, um, I, he says, I, I, I become a minister according to the gift of grace, the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. So he's talking about the grace of God, the gift of God, the forgiveness of God, because Paul had been a murderer of Christians. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, 
this grace was given. Not more law, not more rules, not more things I got to do to make God happy. But this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. What does that mean? Well, the, the hope, the victory, life, blessings, justice, and to make all people see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the age has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now listen to verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purposes which he, God, accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So he's saying, church, the fellowship of the mystery, the grace that we've been given, the the, the mystery that's been hidden through the ages, um, has been given to the church to that we are now to make it known, clare life, to declare salvation, to declare peace, health, healing, truth, freedom, love. To who? To the principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness. And if you look in Ephesians, it kind of gives a better, more specific naming of these powers and principalities. Well, the problem is that, that these powers of darkness have muddled this message in oh, the totally. church and through the church. Oh, totally, people. So what we're supposed to be making known, we don't even know ourselves right. because it's been all muddled and confused With by, religions. by religion, by mm-hmm. false theology, philosophy, just the blindness that that, that uh, Satan puts upon the minds and hearts of, of, of people, oh, yeah. e- even in the church. He's bl- blinded the minds of many. Oh, yeah. uh, lest the light of the glorious gospel well, of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So, Well, let me ask you something. As we have, many of us have been led to believe that what we go to and see going on in the church is Jesus and the gospel. It is not. You go back and read the gospel. You read the book of Acts. You read what Jesus talked about. You read the, the epistles. You will not see hardly anything that we do in the church recommended in those in those portions of scripture you will see nothing of it the devil with his wiles this is the wiles of the devil um where he has like you said honey twisted perverted religionized everything and and flipped it all around to be about works good works everything that god has satan has made the story of jesus and everything uh about jesus what it is not it's now works law and fear and he swallowed up the life and love of jesus and in a plethora of lies, you know, you notice, think about it. We have all kinds of uh, religions. We have all kinds of stories, myths, fantasies, assumptions, illusions, renditions. I mean, you go to India, they got 350 million gods. You go, you got new age, old age, you've got witchcraft, you've got, uh, name it. It's there, lies, lies, and more lies. But the thing is, you know, if you if you want to pick one of those lies, why don't you, do you ever ask yourself, okay, I believe it was, um, you know, the stories coming through the gurus of Eastern mysticism. Then how are you, are you sure that's right? There's many more you could have picked from. Are you sure you got the right one? It's like going through a candy shop and trying to pick the very right, right piece of candy, you know, and it's not, this is not what that is about. There is one true gospel of Jesus Christ. And it, going back to Ephesians, he says, finally, my brethren, finally. Okay, finally, after what? Knowing um, all this stuff, that we're not man-pleasers. We're servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Um, and, we, and we serve. 
and that may be called works, but we serve out of the heart. It comes out of abiding. We don't do good works to be good or to be saved. You can't do good works, enough good works to be good, because someday, next day, tomorrow, you're going to do something naughty, and then you have to start all over again. Knowing, however, that whatever good we do, we receive the same from the Lord. We're, we are Whether we're slave or free, it doesn't matter. We're living our life knowing that Jesus Christ is is our Lord. He is our, our master. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, verse 10, 610 of Ephesians. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemings of the devil. We're no match for the devil. He's very intelligent, a very intelligent being, very clever indeed. But if you pay attention to the Holy Spirit, you, you'll see how he's, there are ways to understand and to not be deceived by him. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, I'm sorry, principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, the very indication of the fact that there are powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness and rulers of darkness in this age, hosts of wickedness, tells us that the war is still, that these regiments, these um, uh, brigades, these uh demonic spiritual forces are still in place in the arenas both of heaven and in our own particular lives. And we as the church are to declare to them the truth, the mysteries of God. So our job after the you know, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is to go all, all over, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature and make known the, the truth, make known the, the love of God, the power of God. Salvation. So, you know, it's hard to speak about these things when most people's minds are so cluttered and on other frequencies that they can't even comprehend the truth, the validity, the the, the eternal power of this story. And for many, they will have picked the wrong story to believe. They'll go before God someday, and everybody will. And they'll have believed the wrong story. And part of it is because we believe the wrong story because we're spiritually dead. We're spiritually disconnected with God. And so what happens is the only connecting point that we have is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of these, once we come into that place, we are born again. We become new creations. And then we begin this process of deprogramming ourselves from all the clutter and all the lies of this world. Uh-huh. And well, really, that is a lifelong process. Well, the deprogramming really is the job of the Holy Spirit, which well, it is, yeah. because he says he has been sent to lead us into all truth and triumph. Right. So we get deprogrammed from the lies of the world, the uh-huh. lies of, of you know religion, the lies about ourselves, lies about relationships, all these lies that mm-hmm. have to be purged out. Jesus said, uh, you, if you continue in my word, and you are, you are my, my disciples, disciples indeed, indeed. You, you shall know, know the, the truth, truth, and the, the truth, truth shall make you free. free. So the mm-hmm. word, uh, Jesus, is the living word. He's the word of God. But then he's given us, thank God, that he has given us the written word. And that is our, our um, what could we say, our uh, our life-washing, brainwashing. Reprogramming. Uh, reprogramming mm-hmm. uh, uh, means and and that's what brings us into a proper understanding. So, and and then what happens is that Satan works to undermine the authority of the scriptures, yes, even among you, churches. So you know, it says, well, you can't believe the word of God. Well, then we're then we're just left to our own. Well, devices. no, we're not. We're actually left to this: the fruit, 
Jesus said, by their fruits. You can. You don't have to have a pre- priest or a pastor to help you discern. Well, that's Re- right. Reduce down, do your spiritual math, and reduce down. What is your life bringing forth for you? Nervousness, anxiety, frustration, death, right. destruction, or peace, hope, and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is now our example, to give our life as a ransom for many. Jesus paid the price. He took our place. We are When you come to Jesus Christ, there's a little term called being born again. Well, you can't be born again until you die. So there has to be a spiritual acknowledgement of a spiritual death, a releasing from the grip of the spirit of this world, the God of this world, and dying to that and coming back alive, a second birth, born again, um, because Jesus Christ paid the ransom. We are redeemed. We're bought back. We're belonging now to Jesus Christ. You don't have to believe this if you don't want to, but is your story better than this? Is the is the thing you've patched together, put together, pieced together to believe what's going on down here and to explain it all? You see what's happening right now in the world, just a quick look at it, is that everybody wants to live forever, but they don't want to live forget forever um by dying first and surrendering and serving. They want to live forget forever now by establishing their ego, by looking for body parts that come from machines, uh, chemicals, singularity, uh, computer chips in our brains, blah, 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 DNA switches and crossing our DNA with animals who see better, run faster. They, don't, they want this immortality without death. And death to our old self, death to this, uh, this world, is the price you have to Jesus died for you, but he doesn't force you to accept that ransom. He doesn't force you to come out of the lie. He he bids you come out. He draws you. He invites you. He beseeches you. But Jesus, God, they do not force anybody to go to heaven. They don't. You choose. You choose and you choose depending on and based on the lies that you have believed. It really comes down to whose story Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God says in his word and what he demonstrated through the through the whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation? Um, you know, I, how he says that in Revelation, Jerry, would you find that? And then um, he, from the whole story, he is telling us how that he has come to seek and save that which is lost um, and that he's coming again. Do you remember that scripture you showed me earlier before we started here today, dear, on Revelation? From Genesis to Revelation, God is giving us this, the, the same message. He doesn't change it in the middle. He doesn't change the rules in the middle. He, he makes us know uh, that he is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, you know, and that is the story. So if you believe that story, walk in that story, you'll walk in a place of grace and a good place because when we have to give an account to God, the first thing they're going to check is the book, the registry. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And by the way, you know, um, or blotted out of the Book of Life. Um, it could be that uh, we were all written in the Book of Life and uh, blotted out is for those who don't, you know, receive the revelation of Jesus Christ. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we just invite you today to take this time of the year um, this season of meditation to slip away. Um, don't, you know, you can, if you like, go to your services, your Easter re- resurrection, you know, whatever. Easter is, by the way, the pagan version of the resurrection. 
you can do what you need to do. Um, but if you think you're going to get saved by, um, you know, believing in bunny rabbits and Easter eggs, and uh, it's no, it's the Lamb of God. And Satan has tried to whitewash, overwrite everything that is meaningful with his um, various fables and stories. So, God, I pray that you would give true discernment to the people, that we would walk in a place of favor and revelation, that you are the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, and that you would invite your people through this season to really ponder the true uh the true meaning of eternal life and the true meaning of their own life, that this life isn't just a life to survive or get through. This is a life where the the church is called to declare to the principalities and powers the the manifold mysteries and and, and power of God. That's our job. So we are encouraged in inviting you to um, walk that walk, take that up, and go forward with whatever and however that looks in your life. Um, a couple of things we go ahead. Did you find it? Well, I know I've I'm said not, it. Yeah. I'm not exactly which one you're referring. I to. am referring to the one that I said twice that you told me earlier. Was, he is the Lamb of God. The Lamb slain, of God slain from the foundation of the world, world yeah. that we referred to earlier. But it was interesting here too. Uh, he says we're looking for to the fulfillment of this time, and we're kind of in this battle right now, uh, battle of two kingdoms. Then I heard a loud voice. This is Revelation twelve ten and 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Amen. So this is the time that we're 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 in, we're coming into. Uh, so we're there, immersed in it right now. We're immersed in it right now. But the lamb, mm-hmm. the lamb wins. The kingdom of God is 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 it's, crushing mm-hmm. the, the 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 kingdom, the the little the prince of this world and his little kingdom of of, of destruction. Eventually, we're seeing the fulfillment, the final. Fulfillment, the final completion of what Jesus Christ has done for us at Calvary. But if if we could place this in a in a parallel to the cross, I would say right now we're in the hours of the Last Supper, and just before we go into that place of agony and you know mockery and uh, you know the crucifixion, and then we come to the resurrection. So. Uh, we, if you parallel it, we're we're probably somewhere. We're probably on our way to Gethsemane right now, um, mm-hmm. if you put it in a time pa- parallel. Yeah. So you know, don't go ahead and look at what it looks like. It's got to look this bad, guys. It's going to look this bad, and that's a, that's actually a sign of the place that we are because it's got to get this bad and worse, just like the Bible says. And if you read what the Bible says, it's like nobody's going to be able to survive it, really, if God wouldn't shorten the time and. And some will survive, and they're probably going to be the ones that wish they wouldn't have survived it because it's not going to be at all fun. But don't, that's not to be afraid. Really, secure yourself in the Word of God. Rejoice and take one day at a time. Live it with thanksgiving and knowing that this is a short time. Always keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that will 
enable you to be yeah. an overcomer yeah. in the midst of all the <clears throat> difficulties that are coming upon this world. And we'd like to encourage you to to check out the websites that we uh, have, liferecovery.com and truelightchurchmn.org. Also, we do have a church, a little house church that meets in a public place at the Holiday Inn in Rogers on, on Sundays at 10, from 10 to whatever. And uh, we'd love to have you join us if you're looking for something that's really different, it, pretty much based on the book of Acts and the, and the Bible. Uh, don't come there expecting a Sunday school class and a, and a, you know, a program and a, a liturgy and a bulletin. Please, you won't get it. You might get the, you'll get the word of God is what you get and some love and fellowship. So that's on Sundays, uh, Rogers. Um, Holiday, Holiday Express, Inn. 10 a.m. Yeah. And so we're going to go out today with a little commercial. And with that, we bless you. And this is kind of like uh, we do, we've written a, a doc, uh, an audio drama called God on Trial. And this is kind of like taking the stories that we've been talking about and dramatizing them. So this is a little sample of that. You can find that also on Life Recovery on the website in the bookstore. God bless you guys. And here, here goes the, uh, here goes the, the sample. The shook. Satan fell. The war in heaven was ended. But the war on earth had just begun. I dare you to let me test them. Would you test them to find fault with me? Let them choose for themselves whom they will serve. Perfect disguise. So subtle. And yet, alluring. (laughs) You will be more like him. That is why he has marked it as separate. More like him. Mm. Here. Delicious. Mm. Uh, You see? Nothing to fear. But I am afraid of one thing. Oh, what is it, my darling? What about Adam? Adam, where are you? Adam. You lied to us. It's time you all suffer like he made me suffer. Those two are guilty and they will pay. Unless one can be found who is willing to pay the penalty for them. And I demand my rights to a fair trial to determine my rights. You shall have your trial in the very hearts and souls of those you so freely seek to destroy. Well, then let them judge this matter. Let the accused become the judge, and the judge become the accused. for your